78% of investors said that access to account aggregation was an important factor when selecting a financial advisor. Yet adoption among financial advisors is high, but the long-term use is low. Could a custodian that offers free data aggregation become a disruptor in the market? All this and more on this edition of Wealth Management Today. This episode of Wealth Management Today is brought to you by Ezra Group Consulting. Broker-dealers are under tremendous pressure to retain and attract new advisors, and the technology ecosystem is a key part. Ezra Group Consulting is your go-to source for building the next generation of advisor and client experiences that will supercharge your firm's growth, increase user satisfaction, and reduce operating costs. If you're a broker-dealer and you want to leapfrog your competition, contact Ezra Group today for a free one-hour consultation and 10% off your first strategic planning project. Go to ezragroup.co, that's E-Z-R-A, G-R-O-U-P dot C-O for more information. Greetings to all my wealth tech friends, and welcome to another episode of the Wealth Management Today podcast. My name is Craig Eskowitz, and I'm a technology strategy consultant in wealth management, and I'm here to bring you new ideas from people who are on the leading edge of technology and innovation. And during our conversations, I tease out the concepts and constructs that you can use to push your personal envelope and stay one step ahead of the pack. Today's episode centers around my discussion with James Capps, who is the head of technology for E-Trade Advisor Services. We talk about a wide range of issues, including E-Trade's acquisition of TCA, Trust Company of America, which became E-Trade Advisor Services, implementing CRM and tips and ideas around how to do that, as well as account aggregation and their just-launched free service. This could be a game-changer and certainly disruptive in the market considering the high costs that other firms are charging for account aggregation. I'd like to see how this impacts uh, advisors and advisors who are using E-Trade Advisor Services. So uh, with that, let's get started. And on this episode of Wealth Management Today podcast, I'm pleased to present James Capps, VP for Technology at E-Trade Advisor Services. Hey, James. Hey, Craig. How are you? Excellent. Thank you. Welcome to the program. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm thrilled to have you. I know uh, we were chatting just a little bit before we started about what we're going to talk about, and it's a action-packed, jam-packed episode here on the uh, Wealth Management Today podcast. One of the things we had, we discussed and uh, I want to talk about uh, briefly is uh, E-Trade Advisor Services, the formerly TCA uh, and that acquisition seems like a, a great move. Advisors are very happy with the acquisition. Can you, want, you want to talk a little bit about how things have gone uh, since you guys acquired and all the integrations? Yeah, I mean, it's really been a, a, a great journey. I think that the acquisition really allowed E-Trade to expand its opportunity with advisors. And I think, you know, we really fit an area that E-Trade wasn't traditionally focused on. You know, at the end of the day, there's an investor journey where that investor, you know, starts out with uh, perhaps, uh, you know, a, a wealth uh, that looks like a zip code, and maybe they're going to manage that on their own. And, and then as their, their, their value gets more up to maybe a, a, an area code, they maybe need some help um, and on their way to becoming like a full-fledged phone number. Oh, that's, and so that, we trade that. One. 
Well, yeah, it's a, the zip code to a phone number. I've never heard that before. That's that's my financial goal. I want I want it to be like an international number too. You got to get that country code in there. <laughs> exactly with with all the uh, what's the numbers at the end for uh, dialing the extension. I want the extension. The extension. <laughs> that's right. I want the complicated extension too. But you know, E-Trade brings that to the table now that you can and uh, throughout that journey. And, and I think that one of the things that people forget often is that investors don't go from um, being an individual trader up to being have uh, an advisor managed. People change based on their uh, their employment and their financial journeys. As a young executive, I might choose to do my own trading. And then when I have a new job with more responsibilities, I may have an advisor. And then maybe later on, I go back to doing it myself. So E-Trade offers that entire uh, playbook now, which I think is really uh, important for us to ensure that we maintain that relationship with our clients. Indeed. And it's, it's, uh, you know, it's not often that the advisors are happy with these type of acquisitions. Usually there's a lot of disruption. So absolutely do to make it smooth. You know, for us, it was, I think the key to our uh, conversation was that uh, our advisors wanted to make sure that we were never really going to get in competition with them. And that has always been our theme that we are uh, a company that is servicing the RIAs, uh, not in competition with them. And so we uh, were really clear in our communication that we were becoming part of, uh, again, that ecosystem that E-Trade offers and that we were going to bring the advisors along with it and that they would benefit from it. As we highlighted what E-Trade brings to the table from, you know, from a technology stack standpoint, from an innovation standpoint, and from a really a DNA standpoint, it really was a, a, a easy conversation to explain to these advisors that it was a really, not just a net win, but just a really big step up uh, for us uh, to enable them to, to continue to grow their business. And that that is, you know, fundamental to, to TCA's value proposition historically, and, and now at E-Trade Advisor Services. That's the way we think, and we've been able to maintain that that mindset, even though E-Trade has a large business that's focused on the investor. I think what's neat about it is that that actual conversation has happened a lot. It wasn't an accident, and it's not been um, you know a uh, decision by luck. It was a thoughtful, upfront discussion to say we need to maintain what makes us special, and and that approach and and look at the customer, uh, the advisor in that manner was key to our, our going forward. What makes you special? That's important to to maintain. There, yeah, you know, I mean, there's there's a lot of outstanding stuff that, that TCA brings and that E-Trade brings. So I'm excited to see how it combines and you know how you get onto one platform. Yeah, and I think that you know at the end of the day, it's about the the service. You know, we always say uh, you know customers come for the the tech, but they stay for the service. Being able to maintain our focus on on the client and ensure that we provide that white glove service in the advisor space. That's our differentiator and always has been. That's always allowed us to fight above our weight. And, you know, E-Trade has also been a company that's always fought about above its weight. And so that, that kind of, kind of uh, scrappy desire to, to maintain excellence with our customers uh, is a real natural marriage for the two companies. And, and it was a really good culture fit for, for us. So you're on the technology side, and, and that's where I come from as well. So when I'm looking yep. at these types of mergers, I'm thinking, how is the tech going to integrate? You've got very different technologies, uh, especially when it comes to account management or, or you know trading systems. So what's your what's your being your biggest challenge in the integration of the, of the two tech platforms? That point, really, uh, regarding customer uh, experience, has probably been the most 
complicated in the fact that we've put the most thought into that to ensure that we don't misdirect our energies for what would look like some sort of synergy or economy of, of function that actually uh, degrades uh, the um, the value that we bring to the table. So upfront, you know, obviously, you know, um, when you onboard a client, um, there's onboarding and onboarding sounds like you would onboard everybody the same way, but it's really radically different. You know, the advisor is the one that onboards the client and we want to make that advisor's job easier and allow them to onboard clients. And that's a very different approach than you would onboard a retail client. And so that, that integration had to be done in a, not only in an engineering manner, but also in a very business sense. We had to think that through so that we would know that in our long term, we would be still providing the, the, the quality product that we, we've always provided. Will there be any changes in the Liberty platform once the integration between the two companies is complete? First and foremost, you will see uh, the ability for, for um, E-Trade Advisor Services to incorporate uh, services that E-Trade also offers. So we've already rolled out um, a couple products that were really based on uh, E-Trade technology, which um, included uh, things related to, um, I think we were doing some lines of credit. We've talked about thing, doing things that are really part of the, the bank. Um, we've uh, rolled out um, some aggregation tools. So I think that um, just the, the fact that the, that E-Trade um, has the, the um uh, technology behind it is is helpful, but I also think that by and large, if I look at my my uh, backlog or my feature set uh, vision that we have had uh, with, for Liberty, um, it really hasn't changed a whole lot. You know, our goal is to make sure that the advisor can grow and scale their business and reach a diverse set of customers. And so, at the end of the day, that roadmap looks very similar to what uh, it did before E-Trade came to the table. What E-Trade did for us, though, is it allowed us to get to some of those features in a way that was less complicated. You know, we were going to have to partner with banks or, or lenders or other things, and now it's all in the family. And so that makes that feature set much more uh, easy and accessible. That's true. The next thing I wanted to talk about was an article you wrote about CRM, implement, implementing a CRM that actually delivers. Which I thought sure. was a, a great article on thinkadvisor.com. And I'm actually... Running, moderating a panel next month at the Invest Conference about implementing CRM. So I really, really liked your article. It, it was a it was a great lead into uh, what I'm doing. So let's talk a little bit about that. You, you, one of the things you mentioned in your your article is start with a solid plan. Can can you expand yep. on that a little bit? Absolutely. You know, I think in many cases, and this this is probably uh, just the most ridiculously obvious place to start, but people often forget it is really understand what you're trying to accomplish. Nine times out of 10, an advisor will have an existing means by which they are managing and tracking their relationships, the R and CRM. And so, uh, unfortunately, many times the CRM implementation is intended to replicate or just automate the existing process. Um, and oftentimes you can see the, the fallacy in that, that uh, all I've done was automated my note cards. That doesn't really take you to the next step. And so having a plan on what you're trying to accomplish, you know, begin with the end in mind is always good advice. And expecting to uh, an upfront knowing the plan as far as what is it going to take from a deployment standpoint, what's going to take from a hardware standpoint, and what's going to take from a supportability standpoint Going, knowing those things going in really just makes the journey that much more um, uh, painless. And at the end, uh, there are very few, less surprises. 
Can you talk about the product champion? How important is that and who should it be? Should it be people doing the work or should it be the senior people? You know, that's that's, that's a challenge, uh, especially in the RIA space because of the different types of advisors you have. We have advisors that are, um, you know, 10 to 15 people. We have advisors that are 40 to 70 people. And so the champion um, can be uh, across the board, um, depending on the size of the organization. But I think the key is that the champion, A, has to understand the work that is being accomplished with that tool. So they have to understand the ins and outs and the, the actual requirements that need to be met, meaning, hey, I need to send emails or, hey, I, I need to be able to track, um, you know, blood type or something unique to their business that, that maybe um, a senior person may not know. They have to understand how they're using CRM. And then additionally, there has to be just buy-in. You know, like any major project, you have to have uh, executive buy-in uh, to make sure that the resources are allocated appropriately. I've seen numerous CRM deployments uh, really fall off the rails because of the um, unexpected resource uh, constraint, and many CRM solutions get deployed halfway. And that's really unfortunate because you end up with, hey, we're still using the old tool for this and we're using the new tool for that, and hardly efficient, and you know that's just risky. Uh, across the board, so you really need to have that champion from the beginning to the end of the uh, of the effort. I agree with that, and I've also seen I concur about that adoption is a big problem. And so, can you yeah. talk about how firms can because CRM is sort of a religion with 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 uh, advisors that whatever CRM they're using, they don't want to change, and yeah. a new one is often a problem. So, you have any tips for how to get buy in from the advisors? Yeah, I think that the key to that is really ensuring that you understand the pain points of the advisor and that you address those pain points. Um, when you get further down the, the food chain, you know, if an advisor has reps or numerous people in the field, each one of them has a unique set of, of requirements and a unique uh, use case for each one of those tools. More often than not, though, you know, the challenge is that you, you're really trying to deploy a CRM tool that unifies processes and ensures everybody's following the same process. So you're always going to have somebody who isn't really being fully satisfied with their capability because they have a unique approach. At the end of the day, you know, all projects succeed through two things, you know, honesty and transparency. You know, that's how I run my, my tech shop is through honesty and transparency. And that, that goes to whether I'm speaking to my developers or I'm speaking to my business partners. And when you have that consistent communication around what you're trying to accomplish and you're honest and clear with why you're doing it um, and engaging all the right people, meaning everyone needs to be engaged, you can be more successful. Um, It's really, it it seems pretty simple, but honestly, a lot of projects get off the ground and nobody even knows why we're doing it. And so adoption tends to be pretty low. As a consultant, I've heard that one before. You get in there and people are talking, you start digging into what they're doing. You go, I didn't even know we were doing that project. Oh, yeah. Oh, or I didn't even know. You guys are using that tool also? Wait a minute. Where did that come from? Yeah, that happens all the time. Where did that program come from? Who put that in? Yeah. So what, uh, do you have any information about what, what the most popular CRMs are from, uh, for your advisors? Boy, you know, that's uh, a really great question. You know, it depends on the, uh, what the advisor is trying to accomplish. Um, and it's a, it's a strange discussion because, um, you know, advisors are a breed of entrepreneurs that enjoy finding ways to solve problems. And in many cases, they, you know, uh, a large advisory who is, uh, who has been in the business for maybe 10, 15 years, they've, they've figured out a really great system using 
outlook, a dress book. Um, and then you're going to have somebody who has three guys and they're crushing it because they're using Salesforce. You know, there isn't really a cookie cutter argument for what uh, CRM tools are out there. Now, I will say that that one of the things that, that we did with uh, E-Trade Advisor Services that I was really proud of is we, we really put a lot of energy in our API um, program. And those APIs enable us to be really responsive and agile, if you will, to integrate with other partners. You know, we never wanted to build a CRM that we couldn't uh, compete with, obviously, the folks that are focusing on that. So we decided we would create these integrations. But also with a challenge of that many of our advisors are not technology savvy. And so offering them way too many solutions is always a challenge. And so we, we always said that we had an open architecture with an opinion where, yeah, it's open and the APIs will talk to anybody. But you know what? We really have some solid integrations with a few companies. And we did go deep with Redtail and we did go deep with Salesforce. And so that while you could bring anything to the table for uh, for an integration, we really went really far on a couple of those. And and those are the ones that we have found that a lot of our clients have uh, have adopted because of that heavy integration. Um, we're not just sending a, you know, a name and address back and forth. Um, with Redtail, we can actually um, open an account. I can actually fund an account from their app through our APIs. And that kind of integration, you know, that's huge efficiency. That's huge time savings. You know, anytime you can eliminate a swivel chair, that's a win. Absolutely. And I, I know I'd heard from someone that you guys are really pumping a lot into your APIs, which I think is, is, uh, is prescient. It's definitely the, uh, on, the, on, the, on the cutting edge, and, and a lot of firms are doing it now. So it's, it's something that will really help not only your integration, but any other tools you're working with and, and bringing advisors always looking, talking about advisors always looking for ways to make things better. They're also looking for the latest application, the latest cool thing. And the better APIs you have, the better able you are to integrate the next big thing. Well, and we're also learning that every, every advisor's journey is slightly different and they, uh, they offer different value to their clients and therefore they expect different value out of, uh, out of our platform. So through the APIs, we're finding that there are things that advisors want to do with different tools, and we're enabling that. Um, you know, and, and the beauty of, uh, again, back to the E-Trade acquisition of TCA, you know, that, that, that API mentality was something that it was inherent in the broader E-Trade ecosystem as well. And so coming together uh, in that way and allowing us to grow those two ecosystems uh, as one has been a real huge opportunity and I think there's a lot of uh, neat ways that we'll see that, that we can um, cross-pollinate those functions and really enable uh, unique uh, use cases that perhaps may have not been uh, thought of before and, and partner with tools that we may not have partnered with before because we are able to do that uh, in a secure and effective way using uh, that API stack. You've been at E-Trade for uh, just, just over a year. Uh, yes, I've been wearing the purple and green for just about a year. That's about right. And, and while you've been in business for a while, you you were at TCA and then left. Yep, I was. That's right. Well, so I was at TCA for just a couple of years before the acquisition, um, and then and prior to that, I was I was um, I was with Comcast for a long time. That's my cable company. It is a cable company. They do uh, a lot of good cable stuff. Oh yeah, man. I mean, uh, we've been using it for a long time. Then you know, it's it's a love hate relationship. <laughs> yeah, I've always found that fascinating. I don't think people like any choice that they have to make when there's only one choice. Doesn't matter what it is, uh, but that's just uh, that's my opinion. <laughs> uh, I agree with that. So, what what made you go from where you were to to jump into E Trade? 
again because you kind of took a break from the industry. Yeah, well, honestly, at the uh, at the at my core, I am a software guy, and so you know when I was with Comcast, I was doing a. a, a it was basically software, and I was really excited and had the opportunity to be part of Comcast as we, what I would argue, went from being a hardware uh, integrator um, to a software company. And I think you can see that in the innovation that that company has made with usability and features. And, and, and really, um, you know, after Comcast, I was involved in um, uh, several organizations that were supporting the startup community. You know, I'm a big believer in the startup community and what it brings to a city as far as um, energy and as far as um, the population and just the general view of how a startup community brings um, people together. And so, uh, again, bringing that uh, energy around uh, innovation and my, my, my software focus was, was easy to, to come to TCA and that they were a company looking to, to evolve and, and look at innovation as a, as a means to perpetuate their already really solid technology stack. You know, it's great uh, in that, you know, I'm still in Denver. Um, I'm a Denver native. My kids go to the same high school uh, my grandfather went to. Not at the same time. That would be weird. Okay. Uh, but, uh, you know, the math doesn't quite work work that out. But, uh, you know, I love this town, and I'm, I'm excited that, uh, that E-Trade is committed to continue to uh, be part of that community and allow me to uh, bring E-Trade to the, uh, the innovation era, the startup community here in Denver and, and contribute to that. Um, you know, we've, TCA was always a big, uh, sponsor of agile conferences and startup efforts. And, and we're continuing that, uh, here with, uh, E-Trade. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's just a software problem to solve. And, and so that's how I look at it. So one of the thing I was looking at the news and noticed that E-Trade, uh, or the E-Trade advisor services has launched a new account aggregation solution. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. You know, um, aggregation products have been around for a long time and, and that, uh, you know, there's, there's obviously some, some popular ones out there, but we wanted to really be thoughtful in that approach and create, um, an integrated uh, account aggregation solution that was not just a, um, a scraper, if you will, but it actually added value, um, and was easy to use by the advisors. Uh, in their day-to-day operations. You know, we evaluated other custodial account tools and uh, looked at what advisors were paying for uh, for those tools. Um, and, you know, what we ended up doing was building a fully integrated solution that is absolutely free for our account holders. That is a huge jump for them. Again, a simplicity play where they can uh, look at an, at an investor's entire wealth picture, which is super amazing. You'd be surprised how often an advisor doesn't get to see the whole picture. You know, I've seen statistics where, you know, up to 50% of uh, wealth uh, by an in- investor isn't necessarily represented in the advisor's book. And oftentimes they don't think to represent that. You know, the investor doesn't consider that uh, insurance policy or grandma's house as part of the picture. And, and, you know, an aggregation tool allows you to do that. Um, You know, we have already have uh, nearly 50 advisory firms who are interested in the tool. The interest has been more than uh, uh, we anticipated. And, and, um, you know, our staff is just really working hard to ensure that they have a great onboarding experience and that they really get the maximum out of the tool. Uh, because we, we, we did put a lot of our heart and energy into that, and, and we're really proud of the product. James, did I hear you right? Did you say it's free? That is correct. Um, you know, we looked at it from a opportunity to uh, help the advisor grow their the, the service that they can provide to 
the investor. And so rather than making it a, uh, you know, a, an additional charge, we full, heavily integrated it into the product. I just found it would be uh, just a, a better value proposition if we offered it uh, for no charge. So you're absolutely right. It comes with your engagement with uh, E-Trade Advisor Services, and, and I think people are going to really love it. You didn't raise your overall prices to cover that. I mean, that, that's expensive stuff. It's, it's not cheap to put in data aggregation. No, no. In fact, you know, we're, we're across the board, that's, you know, really one of the things that, uh, that you know, we, we, we're worried about in the industry. You know, you see things like price compression and you see competition and, and those are just real issues. But at the end of the day for us, it was about ensuring that our, our advisors were able to, to grow their stack. I want to take a little break from this episode to talk to you about one of my favorite sponsors, the Invest in Others Foundation. Invest in Others is a nonprofit. You can find them at investinothers.org. And they look to raise money and give out awards to charities that are sponsored by financial advisors. So it's financial advisors, uh, favorite charities, charities that they spend a lot of time supporting. So Invest in Others looks to get sponsorships from the industry and funnel that money to advisors' favorite charities. I really like this this charity uh, and this nonprofit. I think you should take a look at it. Again, investinothers.org. They've got a couple other programs. One is a grants for good program. Uh, again, delivering money to different needy organizations and needy groups. They're also starting a corporate awards program, which is going to be a little bit different, but still within the industry. Uh, another way for financial services, uh, wealth management corporations to help uh, donate money to people in need. So I really like Invest in Others. I think you should take a look at it. Invest in Others. Let me spell this for you. I-N-V-E-S-T-I-N-O-T-H-E-R-S dot O-R-G. What is the underlying uh, technology? Did you, is it some, is it, is it something, you know, it's, it's a third party? Or did you build your own from scratch? No, we partnered. We do have a couple partners uh, uh, in that uh, space. We use Quobo as our um, as our aggregator um, partner, and they've been a, a great partner in that space. Uh, they're really good at, at the technology behind that. We did a huge bake off with multiple providers, and again, you know, I, I've been in technology for a long time, and in many times, it's not the best technology that, that wins. It's the one that you can really have a partnership with. Um, you know, we worked really closely together to meet the needs of our clients and they were a great partner. Um, it wasn't just a subscription and that, that's, that goes back to whether you're integrating for, you know, a feature or you're building a CRM tool, uh, or you really have to find a company that's really willing to, to go to the mat with you. Right. Uh, so I've done a lot of research on the data aggregation space. I'm interested in your, in your bake-off. How did you compare Mm -hmm. vendors, one vendor versus another? It was usability for, for us. The biggest challenge uh, in um, the aggregation space is having a means by which the um, not only can the investor easily uh, use the tool, which means inputting the information about their other accounts, you know, their checking accounts and their savings accounts and other things, but also the management around the, the, the passwords and the user IDs that go along with that. And you know, the, the adoption rate on aggregation tools is relatively high, but the long-term use is, is surprisingly low. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with the, the challenge of maintaining the currency of your username and passwords and therefore the connectivity. What we were able to do with Quobo and our technologies, we give that 
that give the advisor a dashboard to understand with that information needs to be addressed. So no longer does the investor have to remember that they changed their password at their local bank. The advisor will get an alert saying, hey, this, this link is no longer working. And then they, they, that gives them an opportunity to reach out to the, to the investor, um, have a conversation around what's going on. Uh, but it, it gives them good data. So that allows that aggregation solution to be much more uh, robust, uh, allows it to be a long-term play, and the advisor is a little more involved in it than just simply uh, trying to goad the investor into plugging in their data. Um, so that, that was a huge differentiator for us. And, and uh, when we looked at how vendors were managing that space and what kind of insights we could offer to the advisor, um, that was a huge differentiator for us. Well, that is pretty cool because it is one of the biggest problems with data aggregation is the the authentication breaking, yep. which happens constantly. Yeah, and I, we've seen a lot of products that are on the market today that just don't really have a good way to deal with that. And, and you know, that's you know everybody gets excited about uh, getting all of their information in one place, but uh, you know. Uh, you know, your average person does, they can't focus on their investments uh, all the time. And frankly, that's why you have an advisor. And so you want to be able to go off and, you know, get to soccer practice, uh, take the kids to school, deal with uh, homework and not be thinking about, hey, did I update my password on my aggregation tool? Or, do you know, what do I, what's going on in the stock market? That's why I have an advisor. And if he can help uh, be part of that solution and, and E-Trade Advisor Services can bring tools to help them be part of that solution, then that's, that's really what we want to do. Is there a, a need for another aggregator behind there? I've talked to a lot of other vend- a lot of vendors. So obviously you guys are, are a custodian, but you also have a technology solution. I've talked mm-hmm. to a lot of the tech vendors who offer wealth platforms. And what, the, what I'm seeing is many of them are realizing that there's no one vendor that can provide everything and that they need multiple vendors and they, they're becoming aggregators of aggregators. Uh, are you seeing that as well? Or are you happy with just using Quovo? No, I, you know, I've seen that uh, conversation trend I've seen, I've had uh, that come up a few times in some uh, some conversations. I've been at a few shows where I've heard the term aggregator of aggregators. Um, it is a challenging space insofar as that if your goal is to truly bring all that information together, you may run into situations where you can't. Um, our use case, I think, is pretty well set and pretty well satisfied by the implementation that we have. Uh, at this time, I'm not seeing any sort of uh, huge push for that. I don't feel like there's a huge void in the aggregation vision that an aggregation tool provides. There isn't something that's radically missing. There's not a a blind spot that exists. I could probably come up with some use cases for that, but at the end of the day, I think they're edge cases, and and I'm pretty happy with what we've got right now. Good to know. One uh, other thing I saw, to switch switch gears again, Uh, one of the things that I saw in the survey is more interest from advisors in alternative investments. Uh, Do you plan on expanding support for alternatives in, in the Liberty platform? Yeah, we've been able to expand our offerings uh, in conjunction with what E-Trade offers. Um, you know, we already provide, each, uh, I guess, a solution in that space through E-Trade uh, ETF Custody Advantage program, which allows um, advisors to choose um, additional products that they can be offering. And then E-Trade uh, did, as a whole, offer had a larger portfolio of products that they could that they offered, and we're going to be able to piggyback on that quite a bit. So, um, you know, obviously there are some limits to what what uh, what a custodian in uh, the United States can offer, but um, we're really looking to ensure that that we're meeting the the appetite for those alts uh, in the space. Because that seems to be happening all over. Alternatives are getting more play, and 
and uh, advise you you're more interested in them, especially, uh, you know, as, the, as they get a little more concerned about the market. Uh, yeah, I think when you have a when you when you have a market that's in flux, people are going to look for unique opportunities or safe havens. Um, you know, I think that 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 survey was really interesting in that you know the the, the press in general, and the, I think the articles are talking a lot about cryptocurrency and things like uh, uh, you know marijuana. But at the end of the day, the survey really didn't support that that they're not really. Uh, supporting that or looking into that too much, you know, cryptocurrency, I think we said, but almost 85% of our, our clients, you know, weren't interested in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it varies. Good answer. <laughs> <laughs> so TCA is always, and, and now E-Trade Advisor Services has always been uh, known for their technology. And a lot of custodians are doing the same. Uh, all your competitors have different tech solutions. Although Schwab seems to be going in a different direction. Really? Yeah, I saw that. Will you have any comment on that and why they did that, or what, what? Why do you think they did that? And do you see that as a as a change, or are they going to be an outlier? You know, it's hard for me to say what what the rationale for for that type of change would be. And, and you know, each each of our uh, you know our brethren in this space are looking at the the industry a little differently. I think I, I think from our perspective, um, really providing those additional uh, capabilities is the way that we look at uh, providing the best possible service. I look at uh, the diversity of of need out there with uh, investors and advisors. And honestly, you know, again, going back to the fact that I'm just a big fat tech nerd and I really enjoy this space, you know, I love the fact that there are four guys sitting in Silicon Valley somewhere trying to figure out how to solve a problem that I may have as well. And so when I look at the way that things, that that innovation is happening in FinTech right now, uh, enabling us to take advantage of those when we think it, it, it suits us is really going to be a differentiator. Um, you know, the, the amount of money that's flowing into fintech just from an innovation standpoint and from a friction uh, reduction standpoint is, is staggering. And while, you know, we're a heavily regulated industry and you're going to see uh, lots of uh, boundaries to what some of these startups can do, you're still seeing some innovation come out of places that you wouldn't expect. And, um, you know, I partner and, and, and counsel and, and mentor a handful of companies that are all really excited about getting into fintech because they're looking at it radically differently. Um, look, I, I think a bunch of the really interesting companies are coming out of uh, developer. They're developers who were in cable or were in, um, uh, you know, classic desktop software because they're looking at, at FinTech in a really radically different way. And that's interesting. Um, that's fun when you get somebody from, from Comcast or, or Coors or any company that's just completely orthogonal to the space and they look at the problem differently. That's, that's what innovation is all about. Yeah, I was at the Collision Conference uh, two or three weeks ago in, in Toronto, and there was hundreds of startups there from all different industries. It was auto tech and health tech and environmental tech. And I think there's a lot to be learned from how they approach problems. Yeah, I agree. And I think that, uh, you know, I'm still a big believer in the loosely coupled uh, solution base where, mm-hmm. um, you know, there are things that are going to be interesting today that won't be interesting six years from now. And, and for me to, you know, that was why we looked at the API strategy uh, so carefully that, you know, I did not want to get uh, overly committed to a CRM to, uh, solution that we developed. You know, two years from now, you know, who knows what that's going to be, uh, what CRM requirements are going to be. And so for, for us to be able to, to really engage in those innovative uh, solutions and work with those companies uh, in a way that doesn't, uh, you know, turn my ship left or right, that's going to allow us to be very responsive to our clients' needs. That's the name of the game. 
is being able to stay responsive. And that's one of the reasons why you guys have, have been successful all these years and that you, you were more responsive than the big box custodians. Yeah, I think that's right. And, and I think that as you're seeing a lot of the, uh, you know, the real interesting um, changes in the advisor space where we're seeing the succession planning problems to start to rise where, you know, you're seeing younger uh, family members take over those advisory shops and, and, you know, dad always liked Excel and, and all of a sudden, you know, son is like, I can, Excel's horrible. I don't want to use that. I want to try something else. We're seeing a lot of that. And so that, uh, that succession planning um, is really, a, you know, the, the graying of the advisor is real. And so uh, they're asking us to try different things and they're, they're asking us to partner with tools. You know, I think what, what's really interesting in fintech in general, and I think this goes across the board, we could talk about any industry, is, you know, it used to be that it was, I would compare this software package with my competitor's software package. And so when we sat down at the advisor's uh, office and compared products, they'd compare the two. That's not how it works anymore. They're comparing my product to Facebook. They're comparing my product to Google. And if they don't have the ease of use that they're used to having when they're doing their other stuff, then they're going to look at our product as, as inferior. And so we have to be um, agile. We have to be responsive to the software industry as a whole. No longer can we just accept the fact that, yes, your financial services, so you get a blinking green cursor. That's just how it is. You know, we've got to step up and we've got to know that our clients are using software packages in their daily lives and they have an expectation and we've got to meet that. Indeed. Yeah. And I, I noticed just looking at some surveys about how advisors pick new technology and uh, client experience was, a, was very high on the list for when they, for how they decide which technology to pick. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and when you're an advisor and your bread and butter is that investor experience and your investor is getting Google alerts on, you know, their, uh, their football team and they're getting, uh, you know, a, a tweet on their phone every time, you know, something happens in, uh, in, in, in some sporting event, they would expect the same thing from their financial advisor. And so uh, that, that customer experience has got to be enabled and through the technology we provide and ensure that they have the opportunity to, to meet their customers where they expect to be met. Hmm. And when we're talking about customer or client experience, does that include the user interface in terms of design? Are you guys planning on redesigning the Liberty interface at all? You know, um, Liberty Interface has is, is always been one of the, the most forward-thinking and the most forward-leaning technologies in the, in the space. And I, when I came on to, to TCA, I was really pleasantly surprised on how aggressive we had focused on the user experience. Now, if you go back to the, the first part of our conversation where we're looking to have a, a customer journey, investor's journey from area code to, to phone number, we would like to enable them to have an experience that is consistent across that ecosystem. So I can go into my account of my individual investments, and then I can hop over to my advisor-managed accounts, and that experience should be a little more seamless. So our focus right now is to ensure our investors and our advisors have a, a great experience, but in long term, we'd really like to see that that uh, that experience spread across the entire E-Trade uh, family of products. And so we'll really be focused on trying to get that to happen. Is there anything that you see as core to your, uh, your platform? So with your CRM, not, right? You're not, you're not building a CRM. You, you want to integrate. Uh, Fidelity bought eMoney a bunch of years ago. And so obviously they see financial planning as core. Uh, is there, are you, what is the tack you're taking in terms of the things that you would never outsource you know, on, on your platform? Look, our product was built from the ground up 
right here in Denver, Colorado, in, in the building I'm standing in. The, the, the number one, the first developer, the guy that wrote the first line of code on our product is sitting two doors down from me. That's not where your so grandfather I've, worked, is it? No, and and no, we should, probably shouldn't mention grandfather around him. He's very sensitive about it. <laughs> he's, he's actually, it's strange. He uh, was with our company, with TCA in various incarnations. And then when E-Trade acquired us, he's actually now the longest tenured E-Trade employee. Um, his tenure technically supersedes the existence of E-Trade, but you know, and that kind of made the... Uh, the HR people's head explode, but <laughs> that's, that's neither here nor there. But he, uh, since we built our product from scratch with the intent of being a service to the advisor, it was never intended to be a product for the investors. It's always been for the advisor. So we are fundamentally different in that everything that we've done has been in that regard. So we've always considered the efficiency of an advisory to be key. And so that's where our core function, a core, uh, uh, capability of our product has always been around model management. That um, our system enables the advisor to do uh, um, one thing one time and affect multiple accounts using model management. And that in itself uh, enables the advisor to uh, really scale their business considerably. They can go in, they can adjust the positions on their model and affect the positions of every one of their investors with just a few clicks. And, and that is something that... Uh, continues to be kind of the uh, bolt-on solution that many uh, in the industry are trying to address. Um, but it's always been at the core of our product, and, and it really extends all the way through every, every, every part of our product, meaning your, your tax statements talk about your models, your uh, front end talks about the model. So it's, everything is model-centric, and that approach helps the advisor message the, the, the um, strategy that they're using to their clients better, helps them go back to, you know, back to the volatility to explain that I'm addressing volatility through this model. It's really core to, to what we provide, and the, and the advisors really lean into that as a, as a differentiator for them uh, to really say that they're, they're bringing um, that, uh, that kind of capability to their, their clients is a big difference. Mm-hmm. I wrote about uh, your model manager, which I believe is called Exchange or model Money Manager Exchange. Is it still called yeah. that MMX? No, well, those are yeah, that's exactly right. So those, that Money Manager Exchange really is a way for third parties to uh, to provide models. Mm-hmm. So if the investor isn't really interested in trying to diversify across a certain subset of products to meet a certain goal, they can they can uh, bring those models in um, and leverage them. Um, and we have a lot of advisors that choose to do that. And then we have a lot of advisors who are, uh, who feel like they can do it on their own. And, and that, that's, again, that goes to the diversity of the, of the space. Yeah. I liked, I remember I liked, I wrote about it on a, a model management. I was writing about all different model managers that are, that are popping up and it seems, you know, you guys are a little bit ahead of the curve when you went to models. Now everyone seems to have a model marketplace and it's pushing models. Sure. Uh, do you see that as changing uh, the way advisors are interacting with asset management? Yeah, I think it, it gives them a means to to not only um, uh, uh, manage their system, manage their business at scale, but it also gives them a great way to communicate um, with their clients around wealth and the, the growth of the individual's wealth. Um, people like to understand where they're investing, but at the end of the day, it's really complicated to explain some of the ways that it's done. And, and models are a really accessible way for people to appreciate what's going on. I think you're right. You're seeing that, 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 that philosophy permeate the industry. Um, 
but we're really fortunate that it is at the core of our product. And so everything that we do, whether it's part of uh, aggregation, whether it's part of our uh, tax strategy, all those things are always going to be speaking uh, with model uh, first and foremost. And, hmm. and that helps the advisor be consistent in their messaging. Uh, are you guys doing anything with artificial intelligence? Artificial intelligence um, uh, is a fascinating uh, uh, catch-all, I think. Um, and I wrote an article not too long ago really talking about where AI, I felt AI was more about augmented intelligence. So you're going to find that rather than, uh, you know, I don't think your advisor is ever going to be, you know, a, complete, uh, a completely uh, automated function, but you can have situations where the advisor will have uh, some augmented uh, intelligence around a certain feature, a certain functionality. You know, one of the things that I would argue in that space is a feature that we provide, which is really household rebalancing and household points of view, which allows an investor or an advisor to aggregate multiple accounts into a complete household. You know, that was impossible five years ago for an advisor to be able to do that math and understand how things are doing, uh, being distributed. Mm-hmm. So that augmented intelligence, that innovation around how we can aggregate that information together is really what I think that the AI space will lead to, where the investor and the advisor will have more data available. They'll be able to aggregate more of a point of view and using technology to make sense of a complex situation, I think that's where financial services will be better served taking advantage of, of, of that type of technology. Yeah, the rebalancer is more robotic process automation. Yep, 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 I agree with that. I think there's a, that, that, that robotic approach, that, that, that RPI uh, or RPA is, is something that people are, are, I think, conflating with AI, but I think at the end of the day, that's a little more uh, palatable, I think, for the, for the, uh, the ecosystem. More palatable, yeah. <laughs> I think people are <laughs> a little worried about what AI would do to their business. Uh, and I'm seeing a lot of, of usage of uh, big data. A lot of it, as we were talking about CRM before, a lot of it uh, CRM related since that's where there's so much data available. Sure. And, you know, we're using I mean, big data has its uses. I think we use it uh, heavily and and looking at uh, um, uh, the way our business is run and operated that we look at certainly use that for, you know, you know, in our security space and, and some of the regulatory areas to look at the way that uh, that, that our, our product is being used. Um, but, yeah, the, the big data, uh, you know, uh, it's it's hugely valuable, but we're also seeing uh, the fact that it's still complicated. Um, nobody's uh, got the holy grail yet. Uh, you know, you can't look at ten years worth of trading data and determine what's going to happen tomorrow. Uh, oh, and yeah. so uh, that's that's still going to be not yet. Let me um, know. I'll let you know. Well, I probably won't let you know. You'll, <laughs> you'll have to call me. <laughs> you'll have to call me from my long distance uh, international phone number. That's right. I remember <laughs> I used to work for. Um... Broadridge. Well, actually, before it was Broadridge, it was a ADP brokerage. Yep. And we used to always talk about the predictive stock ticker we were going to invent. Yeah, I think you know uh, everybody wants it. Um, just nobody's willing to. To well, if they, if it's been done, nobody's talking about it. I'll just That's say right. it that way. <laughs> it may have happened. No one, no one's talking about it. Yep. Well, James, I really appreciate your time. I think we're out. Uh, I. Thanks for so much for being here, being a guest, and oh, uh, providing so much great information and, 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 and chat with me. I really appreciate it. Hey, it's, it's always a great time. Uh, it's always fun chatting with you. And I will hopefully talk to you soon. All right. Well, yeah, I'm certain I'll see you somewhere along the way. We'll be uh, on the road again together. <laughs> 
Hey everyone, it's Craig again. Just a few quick items before we go. If you like this episode, please give it a five-star review on iTunes. I would very much appreciate it. And remember to check out the show notes for links to everything we talked about on this episode. For more information on wealth management technology, you can read my Wealth Management Today blog at wmtoday.com. Thanks for tuning in, and I'm looking forward to talking to you all again next week.